0: And welcome to Cat's Out of the Bag. I'm Cat Hennessy and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. Ah! Hello, Queens, and welcome back to another week of Cat's Out of the Bag. Today, I have the most fabulous Courtney Rodwell here. She is an intimacy coach and is so well-established, and I am so excited to hear about your journey and get some tips for the girls listening, because I know we always want tips around you know relationships, trauma, PTSD, all the things that you are so specialized in. So welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get into it. Yeah, me too. Um, So I guess for my listeners that don't know you, could you just give a little bit of an intro about like who you are, what you do and all that? For
1: sure. So I'm a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, which is NLP, timeline therapy and hypnotherapy. So there's three major facets to what I do. Um, But for all intents and purposes, I'm a performance coach. So I get my clients from where they are to where they want to be. Um, so what that means in terms of, you know, NLP and timeline and hypnotherapy and how I do that um, is basically using the language of the mind um, and how we represent the world to ourselves to help, help them get rid of the negative emotions, limiting beliefs, unhelpful behaviors, etc. cetera, um, that keep patterns happening in their lives. So, keep you know, unhelpful relationships coming in and, and all of that type of thing, issues with money, you know, issues with sexual performance, you know, even things like not being able to, you know, to come when they have sex, you know, things like that, unhelpful behaviors that stop them from being who they want to be. I find out where it's coming from and we get rid of them.
0: Cool. what yeah. would you say like the most common kind of occurrence of what you would deal with in your like day to day job would be
1: Mate, anxiety is huge at the moment. Um, anxiety in general, um, PTSD in terms of relationships, any types of traumas. Um, you know, some of my clients have, you know, been raped or abused or, or something like that. And they find the pattern repeating in not just one relationship. And they're at the end of their rope going, what is going on? You know, why does yeah, this wow. keep happening to me? Yeah. And, um, and it's something I went through myself, you know, that's how I came to be here. So I understand, um, both from the the male and female perspective, um, you know, with sexual dysfunction, especially what causes that, um, and you know, how they got there. So
0: do you want to like lot. give a little bit of a background as to like, you know, your journey into getting into this and what you kind of went through, if you're comfortable to discuss it all?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. An open book. <laughs> so I've actually written a book too and it's all in there. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an e-book. You can download it from our website. It's cool. Um, so look, I was suicidal at 15, but it started well before that. Um, I had major anxiety from the time that I was very, very young um, in terms of what people thought of me. Um, so, I started, you know, the people-pleasing behavior of trying to be everything to everyone. Um, and that left me completely exhausted and trading on eggshells in every area of my life. I had the best parents in the world. Um, so, especially important for people to understand is that it doesn't matter how much you were given or how much of a head start you think you had, you know, and, and that you, you know, you should have made something more of your life. You should have done this. You should have done that. That was my whole thing, you know, how could I end up in 10 years of abuse, you know, and I, and I did. I had over 10 years of abusive relationships, um, you know, and it was it was hit, you know, guns held to my head, crossbows held at my throat, like stuff that just doesn't happen, you know, mm. um, but unfortunately we know it does. Um, you know, raped multiple times, you know, it. I, I was – All of this stuff was happening to me um, when, you know, you understand that it doesn't really happen to you when you do, when you start doing the work, you know, that it's because of some deep-seated belief um, that you're not good enough is where it comes from and people come into your life that reflect that of you. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was through going through all of my stuff, you know, suicide, rape, abuse, all of the fun stuff. Um, and, look, I speak about it. I speak about it flippantly now because I have dissociated the emotion from the experience. But that's not to make light of anyone who's going through that at the moment. It is serious shit. And I understand it's, it's really heavy, um, you know, to be going through. So that's not to make light of it at all. I just mm-hmm. am at the point now where I've dealt with my own. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit more flippant.
0: No, of course. And like, I mean, everyone's so free to deal with, you know, their trauma and things they go through in their own way. Um, but like Mm. if they're, you know, what would your key tips be to someone who, you know, maybe has been in a abusive relationship or sexually assaulted? Like what kind of tips would you give them to, you know, get out there and overcome Mm. these things and work on, you know, working through all of that?
1: Yeah, so case by case is definitely, you know, how I approach any of it. Um, The one blanket rule that I would have for everyone is don't try and do it alone. Yeah. Um, I tried to shut up shop and I didn't talk to anyone for years. Um, When I did try and talk to one, to somebody, it was a a psychotherapist, it was a counsellor, and I ended up worse than before I went in, Um, you know, because... Sometimes the, depending on who you talk to, sometimes the advice can be misguided or they don't understand. Um, But don't let that discourage you from reaching out and talking to someone else and keeping trying. Like there's no, like if you're, there's no reason that you have to accept the situation that you're in. Do not lose hope.
0: It's so true what you say about like, you know, I Used to suffer really badly with anxiety, and I mm. went to like a psychologist, and mm. she just like didn't do it for me. And she wanted to do oh, what's it called? It's it's not ASMR. That's like sound, like little. Um, yeah. She wanted to do this thing with her fingers, right? Do you know what that? Do you know what it's called? I
1: don't know. It's,
0: I can't remember what it's called, but it's pretty much some form of therapy they use for like PTSD where Mm -hmm. like ESMR or something and they use the fingers and almost put you into like a meditative meditation state to like make you rewire your brain. It just wasn't yeah. for me and I had to go to like maybe three different psychologists before finding the right one. So I think like, you know, if someone is out there and they feel like, oh, psycholo- psychologists don't do it for me, it's like, well, maybe you just haven't found your your person yet yeah. and to kind of keep putting yourself out there till you, you know, find that you can kind of, I guess, be aligned with someone.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, the the biggest thing with any of this work is you have to feel safe. You know, mm. if you don't feel safe, you're not going to open up, you know, and that's awesome. why I only work with people that, that, you know, are 100% safe in my presence. They know I'm not going to judge them because I've been through it before. They know I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, they're not going to shock me with anything they have to say because I've been through a lot of the shit myself. So mm-hmm. my biggest thing is, is don't lose hope and, you know, make sure that you are out there trying different things, different modalities. There's so much out there. The difference between what I do and traditional psychotherapy and counselling is that a lot of the time, and I found this in my experience um, psychologists and psychiatrists will focus on the problem and how, you, how the problem came about. I'm not interested in really you know, how it came about. I'll ask you some questions, we'll identify it, and then we'll let it go and we focus on the future. Because if you're dwelling in the past and you're reliving that trauma and reliving that problem constantly, you can't change your state. And you've heard so much from you know, thousands of people over the world that your state is dictates where you are in your life and what you can accomplish in your life if you're living in a state of having to rehash this say you go every month or every couple of weeks you're rehashing all of this traumatic shit
0: every yeah, couple of weeks you can't pick like I remember when I'd see a psychologist I'd be like so what what do you think the breaking moment was that you started yeah. getting started? Like, I don't like, fucking know. <laughs> literally that's why I'm here like help me and yeah. <laughs> so true that you tell them your life story and you're like yeah this happened to me when I was 16 but like so irrelevant when you're 24 like it just Yeah, yeah
1: yeah and the difference too is that um a lot of the patterns that we pick up are unconscious ones so there's three, you know, major major periods in your life as a human that you um, that you are imprinted on and you develop your behaviour um, and your behavioural patterns, 0 to 7, 7 to 14, 14 to 21, very distinct stages of when you're little you're just a sponge, you're taking in everything that you're seeing. The next stage is you start modelling. So you look at people around you and you start modelling their behaviour. Then socialisation in the third one, you start, you know, getting that, type of thing from friends and media and things like that. So you're picking up all of this behavior that isn't even yours, but that's what colors your belief. And they're the patterns that you operate on. So if you take those into your adult life and they're not serving you, you have no control over them because you don't know that they're there.
0: Mm, that's so so what I
1: do, yeah, yeah. So what I do is is take you sort of back, and that's what timeline therapy is is taking you back along that timeline. You don't even have to consciously remember what it is. Your unconscious is all there, so your unconscious just brings it forward with the questions that we ask. It goes, oh, okay, they want to know about this Also and it's the first thing that comes to your head. That is the key to releasing all this shit. So it's really exciting stuff when you get into it.
0: Wow. How interesting. And, mm. and what about like, can you tell me a little bit about your hypnotherapy, timeline therapy, and then how it can affect like Im- intimacy and your sex life?
1: Yeah. So, um, as far as I have mentioned, you know, timeline therapy is, is identifying unhelpful patterns and changing them. Um, yeah. so, with when we what we see in relationships is if you're not consciously aware of what your patterns are you're going to repeat them it's just, that's just how it goes so like with me i had you know 10 years of abusive relationships i had four different boyfriends that came in exhibiting all of the same behavior towards me because that's what i was putting out so mm. because i wasn't aware that my self belief and my and my self esteem and everything was so low i didn't believe i was worthy of the things that i wanted So by using timeline therapy, we let go of what we need to. We address negative emotions, limiting beliefs and any unhelpful behaviours with the client. And then beyond that, the hypnotherapy then steps in and says, okay, these are the beliefs we want to solidify in your life. These are the behaviours we want you to exhibit. This is the self-worth that we know that you now are. This is what we focus on. So the timeline therapy cleans up the past and the hypnotherapy focuses us towards the future.
0: So, the timeline therapy is more like um referring to the different age brackets and what you take in and kind yeah, of sorry and like diving into them to kind of break it down.
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of, it's a visualization in a a sense that, um, you know, if you think of your life, you know, if you can think of your life in terms of a line from past to future, right, all we do is kind of float above that and identify where these decisions were made to make this type, to exhibit this type of behavior and clean it up. So yeah, right. we look at so it doesn't mean I don't drop you into them you don't relive the emotion the emotions may come out because we're dealing with you know affective but there's ways to mitigate that as well which I do um I don't just drop you into a traumatic memory and leave you there <laughs> um but yeah it's one of those things that it allows us to bring what we need to forward so that we can learn what we need to and then let it go. And the learning of which allows you to let go of the emotional response that you have because you've completed it. You said, yep, okay, I've learned what I need to. Now it's time to focus on the future.
0: So, and then when you're like, so you're doing the hypnotherapy. So is, Mm -hmm. so a client's like, you, you know how like, the classic like in like a movie or something like do you hold something for them to focus on no. like <laughs> No,
1: no, it's all all hypnotherapy is is just following instructions, right? So it's just a really deep state of relaxation. and we put you in you you I don't know whether you've heard, but your brain waves change depending on the state that you're in at a particular time. So your brain waves when you're thinking and you're conscious and you're busy are very different to those when you're relaxed or you're sleeping or anything like that. So we just take you to a state or I just take you to a state where, You're extremely relaxed and I can talk more easily to the unconscious mind rather than you consciously trying to figure everything out. So all it is, is just the client following my instructions to relax and then me suggesting what they want for their life moving forward. So I don't make them do anything embarrassing or cluck like a chicken or anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm like, it's all participated in willingly.
0: (laughs) Could you, could you literally hypnotize someone to like change a habit though? Yeah. So that's what we do with smoking. So Therefore, a lot of the time, um, yeah. Sorry. I want to quit vaping. I'm like so addicted. <laughs> I can't
1: and see my like, girl.
0: <laughs> how would you, what, what would you do to make someone quit a bad habit smoking or I don't know if people go and get hypnotized for like stealing or, you know, pyromania.
1: they, They do. They do. So it could even be, you know, that any type of addictive behavior. So vaping, drug use, alcoholism, even addiction to food, which I had for years. That was one of my eating disorders. I just was addicted to food. It's all based on an unmet need. So any type of repeated behavior that you engage in, that gives you some type of solace and some type of, relaxation or whatever that payoff is, is based on some type of unmet need. So it can be as shallow or as deep as it is, you know, that depends on the individual, but that's what it is. So by going through, and I call it the breakthrough process, by going through the breakthrough process, we identify what those things are, again, clean it up with timeline therapy. And then by the time we get to hypnosis, it's gone.
0: Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm yeah. going to book in to see you. <laughs> By all means. That, that, my partner and I are, like, on the couch just chuffing away. I'm literally, like, in bed trying yeah. to drag before I even, like, drink water and I'm like, this is so bad. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Amazing. I love that. And then, cool. We won't do it on air, but we'll do it on. No, yeah. no, no. no. <laughs> Guys, I literally quit on, quit on air from getting into <laughs> I love it. Yeah, fully. (laughs) What about like timeline therapy with and hypnotherapy? Like, um, how can it affect the your intimacy and your sex life?
1: Oh my god, chalk and cheese, honestly. Really? Um, Yeah. Well, prime example, and I won't go into massive details because my partner will kill me. Um, But prior to doing my own work, prior to releasing what I needed to, massive issue with letting go, uh, massive issue with boundaries and all of that type of thing. So I was in the BDSM community for years because I needed to sort of have sex in a way that was, you know, these are the rules. And with dominant submissives, if you know anything about BDSM, thanks, Fifty Shades of Grey, there are Mm -hmm. rules between the parties so that that behaviour cannot happen. That behaviour can happen. So wow. it's very regimented. So you think about that from a t- from in terms of you know whether somebody feels like they're not worthy, whether somebody feels like they're not um, they're not safe in an intimate environment. That gives them a structure. So what you experience before, when you have all this, these, you know, misaligned beliefs about yourself and you you don't feel that you're worthy versus once you've done this work and you're free to be exactly who you are and and get exactly what you want and you feel worthy of actual love coming into your life, chalk and cheese.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. So So it all comes from, uh, you know, a belief that you have of yourself that's reflected by others.
0: And what, um, so I'm like completely sidestepping here back to the BDSM. <laughs> so, oh, that's good cool. go for it. you saying you were in the BDSM community for, do you say 15 years? yes, yeah, on and off for years. On and off so for years. What, what does, what would being in a BDSM community entail?
1: So, and I'm going to give, I'm going to give a website a plug, which is really funny. Um, I was on this community called FetLife and it's basically Facebook for the fetish community and it's both nationally yeah nationally and internationally Um, but I was on that for years and it's basically there are groups you can meet up with people it's basically another you know I suppose it's I used it as a dating site back then um, but yeah, it's a, it's a community where you can go on and explore different fetishes and explore, you know, those types of things. And again, you know, fetishes is the same as BDSM, you know, are uh, reflections of things that you've either not dealt with or are affecting your behavior and the way you see intimacy through, through the lens of who you are. So yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing playground. And if you're, it's amazing. Check it out. It's hilarious. Um, But yeah, it's an amazing playground. If you go at it from a healthy, you know, safe place in yourself, it's incredible. You have a lot of fun. If you go at it from trying to please someone, you can just imagine the harm that can be done if somebody's, you know, doesn't feel good enough and then they get involved with someone who, you know, doesn't feel good enough in themselves and has latent anger issues, for example, and that person meets the other person, complete disaster. And that's when you see abusive relationships form, codependency, all that type of thing.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, cuz I mean like I was reading something the other day about like some people who do BDSM don't even like actually have sex.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is that and it's like a different play on control and um yeah. going through different I don't know. I'm, i i I I did something I want to learn a lot more about cuz it's a topic that I'm not very familiar with, but um Yeah. Yeah, We'll start with
1: life. It's very educational, (laughs) but yeah, it was, it was, um, my experience was I met a lot of people and, and I think because I, it all makes sense now because I'm at the other end and I've done the study, I've done my work and I understand it all. But back then it was just this whole world of, Wow. Okay, this person has to hit people in order to get off. Same Fifty Shades of Grey. We've all seen it now. Um, you know, or this person. I remember I went to a I went to a party called Hellfire down in Sydney when I lived down in Sydney, and um, there was this woman who was tied to like a big wagon wheel, and she's in. She was naked. She was completely naked. She was tied to this big wagon wheel, and just people were just went up and just were whipping her. What? Yeah. And she was, she was in another world. She was just in this incredible ecstatic world, like coming over and over again. And just, and I was just like, what in the human brain? That's this is. And this is where a lot of my, my work started. I was like, what in the human brain seeks that out? You know, Mm -hmm. what in the human brain dictates that that is something that someone needs to feel love?
0: Or to feel attention, pleasure. Like I'm, like yeah. I'm such a pussy. You like pinch me, and I'm like ah, like <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So it was one of those things that you know, I, and I, I recognised at that point. As I said, no, no judgment for anyone that I've ever seen or been involved with. That i I think people are incredible in in how intricately different they are, you know. But I was watching this woman, and I was just like, this fascinates me. You know, where where some for one that would be completely you know demeaning and and anything else and dangerous and unsafe. She was completely safe and enjoying herself. Yeah, so. It really does. How you see yourself and and how you represent yourself to the world and how the world is represented within you is very different from person to person. And this is where it comes from. A lot of the unconscious patterns that we've picked up, whether it's been family, whether it's been modeling, whether it's been generational or, you know, if you believe in past lives, that's something, you know, that can come out as well for people who believe that. Um, So it's all what we make up in our heads which is fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. So I love that you like saw an interest in that area and just kind of dived into it because, yeah, yeah, there's so many different, I guess, situations you could kind of delve into and learn mm. so much about. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I just, I, I feel like it's something I want to learn more about as well. Yeah. Um, and then I guess like in terms of, you know, relationships and breakdowns and everything like what do you think that like some of the most common things you're finding in our generation that cause breakdowns in relationships
1: I think um I think we live in a in a instant gratification society which doesn't do anyone any favors so that's probably the biggest red flag that I see for modern dating um you know, with the swipe mentality that we have, so many people, if anything triggers them, if anything doesn't seem perfect, or that they've instead of accepting people for their flaws and who they are, they're on to the next one. And mm-hmm. I just think that is, it's such a shame because, you know, what the work that happens both within a couple and within ourselves happens when you start to question why those things trigger you. So, and I, I you know use my partner as an example for this all the time, is that whenever I'm triggered by anything he says, whenever he, he says something and I'm like, "Oh my God, I could just kill you or it makes me cry or whatever else, that's something in me. That's not anything he's doing because he's not doing anything to hurt me you know, it's something that I haven't looked at within myself. And if you've got an instant gratification society where you're just swiping left and right and not getting to that stage where you're questioning what this behavior actually means Mm. in yourself and in other people, you miss out on that. So people don't grow.
0: Yeah. It's so, you're so disposable this day. Yeah. That's just how I found when I was, before I met my partner, like, you know, I'd go on a date, things would go really great. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're ghosted, you don't hear from them. And like, I guess what advice would you give someone if that's happened to them and like how they could approach that person to address it or, or, or move on from it?
1: Well, the biggest thing with that is that you can't make another person feel anything. So to me, if you're, to me, if you're ghosted, there's there's no point trying to explain how their behavior is wrong. Look at yourself. So, okay, how did I let the situation get to this where this person doesn't value me enough to write back to my message? And when Mm. you start doing that, when you start flipping that internally, you go, holy fuck. And you start noticing behaviors of, oh yeah, I did see that red flag, but I kind of let that go. And I did, you know, I did see that. And then I kind of let that go. You know, I did see that and I kind of let that go. So you've had all of these indications where if you were in tune with your intuition, you would have turned around and said, no, that's not good enough. If you, if you valued yourself, you'd know it's not good enough.
0: A hundred percent. I think as well, like a lot of the times when you're like interested in someone and you just kind of, you're really hoping to find that connection or love, you do put up with a lot more. And i you know, I've done this so much as well. And I used to kind of like try and sit back and say to myself, what would I do if one of my girlfriends treated me like this? Like if one of my friends had done this to me, I would probably never fucking speak to them again. So why Mm -hmm. am I letting this, my partner or this person I'm dating do this to me. And I think a lot of the times we do let our guard down. We do let our boundaries and our, you know, everything kind of drop a little bit because you, you know, you have this awe of what this relationship could be, but it's so important to remember like your value and your worth and like, keep that at your front of mind. Even like, like I have been in so many abusive, like emotional, emotionally abusive relationships. Like, so fucked up. Even to the extent, like, I had a really bad breakup a few years ago, and I had a big chunk two years being single, finding myself. But like, I saw a guy in between, and I still let him treat me like shit. Like, he just didn't suddenly didn't message me, and I kind of called him out on it. And he's like, oh, I've been really busy with like my ABN and this, and you know, and I gave me some. I, think they did. I let it, <laughs> and I'm just like it just, you know, I I look back on those things now and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? So yeah. A
1: lot of, a lot of us do it. And I did the same. I mean, fuck, how do you end up in four abusive relationships without doing that? You know, Mm -hmm. there were tons of red flags that I should have seen, you know, but I think, and again, one, another big red flag that I see with, with people dating at the moment is them needing to be with someone. Mm. Whether that's, you know, whether that's because they think they're getting older and society dictates that you should be married by this age, you should be, you should have kids by then, you know, so they have this biological clock shit, you know, that's happening, which is another limiting belief that society has. Pressure. Um, Yeah, lots of pressure. So that leads to settling and putting up with less than we deserve, you know? And then God, if you add the, you know, the issue of money and the scarcity of money into that, you know, all these sites like you know, sugar daddy sites and things like that, where all of these young girls feel that they have to keep up with the Joneses and have designer bags and, you know, fillers and Botox, which, you know, we all love, not going to lie. But, Uh, you know, it puts a lot of financial pressure. So they're getting into relationships with older men just just so that they have that security, Mm. you know. So, so again, yeah, it's, it's just, it's awful. Cause they feel like they don't have a way out.
0: I think like the settling thing is huge. And I know a lot of people in, I mean, in my opinion, I would say that they've settled, but you know, yeah. you never know what someone's thinking deep down. <laughs> I think it's just like how you view someone and you know what they're worth and stuff, but like I felt so much pressure before meeting my partner, Matt. Like I remember I had this one moment where I went away for the Easter long weekend to stay at like my Mm. best girlfriend's house, but she's married. Um, The other two girls were engaged and one of them was pregnant and all their partners were there. And when we all went to bed, they all like went to bed with their partners. And I was like, this loser on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and I left that weekend feeling shit. Like I didn't fill my cup. I felt like even though I was with some people, my like best friends and people who should make me feel so good, it was like I was in my own head comparing myself to them because you know, you sit back and you go when am I going to meet my person, you know, mm-hmm. what? And and I think like it's such a thing you do need to think about in the way of like run your own fucking race. It's like, don't compare yourself to anyone, whether you're 25, whether you're 35, whether you're 40, like my mom had me at 40. There's no pressure to meet someone at 28 and pop out a baby at 30. Like times are changing. And I think women are more career focused and Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's such a shame seeing people settle for less because they're so scared.
1: Yeah. And like comparison is such a joy killer in that respect, you know, because then it puts so much pressure on anyone you do meet as well. You know, you get to a point where, okay, people are swiping left and right and, you know, um, they finally do meet someone and then they dump all of this expectation onto that poor person because they feel so much pressure from society to, to be at that stage and to make something of this relationship finally, you know, that you just there's no joy there's no fun there's no spontaneity you know and if you don't have that at the start of a relationship what are you there for
0: do you know like even speaking about all of this and th- speaking about like you almost if you're in a bad state in your mind and you're obviously going to attract people that don't value like bring you up and, you know, you attract the wrong type of men or women mm-hmm. if you're if you're not in a good headspace and stuff. And it's like it makes me seriously think back to cause I was on Bachelor, which was fucked. Yeah. And I went through like a really bad me, I had a really bad mental state after this Bachelor in Paradise show. I just felt like hated by society. I felt so unwanted, unvalued. Like I felt I was so in such a low head space. And I literally was like, no guy's ever going to want to date me. No one's going to want to be with me. And I met this guy and I dated him for like a year and a bit and moved in with him. And I was completely settling. I was so desperate and so in awe of finding someone because I f- yeah. had this like feeling that no one wanted me that I just settled for the first person that did. So yeah, yeah that I, I completely did that. And I stayed in that relationships, like probably about we were together for a year and I probably stayed in it like 10 months longer than I should have. Like I saw huge warning signs within the first month or two and I just went, no, it's fine. It's okay. Like alcoholism, like drug abuse, like, you know, Just so much shit and yeah, and I look back at that now and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? But it's also, you know, sitting back and going, if you get ghosted, what have I done to do this? It's like I was attracting such a negative person in that state because I was in such a negative headspace myself. So Yeah.
1: And that's and that's a really hard that's a really hard concept for a lot of people to to grasp, right? Especially if you, you know, if someone's beating the shit out of you, you know, Mm like you go, you are, you are, you are quite literally a victim, you know, Mm. but if you go into that victim mentality of I'm, I'm a shit person, I'm this, I deserve it. There's no hope. You know, you have to get to a point of this can be better. My life can be better. And that's, you know, that's why, you know, after what I went through, I'm so passionate about getting this shit out there because once you lose hope that's when devastating things happen you know and if you're in a situation like that with god forbid you know you've got children in a home like that you know or you've got financial pressures in addition to that where he's he's extremely wealthy and you're not you know the window of you know being able to get out gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and that's when we see people who end up on the news you know so it's so important to not, you know, to understand that yes, you are a victim in the situation that you're in, but that does not determine what the rest of your life has to be. And mm, that's, that's the biggest thing. You have to be able to separate, okay, this was shit and it happened to me, but. I have hope for a better future. And it's the same thing, you know, if you're settling in a relationship, you get to that certain point where you think, fuck this. I don't want this for my life. Mm. I do not want this for my life. I deserve better.
0: Mm. And so I feel like as well, sometimes you just like settle and stay in a relationship. It's like that fear of being alone and like not enjoying your own company enough, which I've been, uh, you know, I've done this in the past too. And it took me, after my pu- my ex a few years ago, when I had that two year chunk of just doing me to really like love myself and figure out what gets me going and you know makes yeah. me happy and fills my cup, so yeah, it's 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 sad when people feel as though they're trapped because of financial positions, children, all of that. But I think it's I think it's important to remember that there is always a way out. Like that there is. Yeah. Like no matter how trapped you feel, like your mental state, your safety, your happiness, like that all comes first.
1: Yeah, and that's why I say, you know, don't do it. Don't try and do it alone. You know, Absolutely. if it wasn't for my, if it wasn't for my, my mother, I would have killed myself on a beach. You know, and that's extremely intense to talk about. You know, for a lot of people, because when you are there, you do believe that there's no future. Yeah, you know, when you are there, you do believe that you don't want to be on this planet. And I know that with everything that happened over the last two years, there's a lot of people who have been looking at their lives and have been coming to those conclusions because they don't believe that there's something better coming,
0: Mm. you know,
1: Absolutely. Um, so I think, yeah. So I think, especially in relationships, especially in abusive relationships, and and relationships in which you're settling, you have to get yourself to a place. Wh- whoever you reach out to, focus on getting yourself back to a place of hope mm-hmm. that you can have better. Because you're a fucking human being. Every, every life has value, and so does yours.
0: Absolutely, you know, that's
1: the biggest thing.
0: And what about like? in your opinion, what are some relationship red flags you're noticing that a lot of people kind of look over and don't really take into consideration, I guess?
1: I think, to be honest, I think alcohol and drugs are huge at the moment. Like I've seen very high functioning people, you know, and a lot of them around that have, you know, dependency on whatever drugs, whether it's pot, whether it's smoking, whether it's cocaine, whether, what, whether it's alcohol, whatever it is, all of these people are compensating for the stress they feel in their life you know, because with these things, you know, with all of these, um, you know, these things. So I think that's a massive red flag. I think to me, if anyone has a dependency on any type of thing, then it's something that they've not dealt with in their own life. Mm -hmm. And they can't support me if they're doing something like that. Mm, They're not going to be safe. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Keep going. Sorry. I just said they're not going to be a safe environment for me in a relationship if they are doing that in their own life and they don't value themselves enough to me. I mean, I joke with all of my friends that I'm high on life, you know, and I still have friends that, you know, have drug habits and and party every weekend and whatever. I don't go out with them, but you know, I I still love them. It doesn't mean I judge them for it, but Mm. that's a big red flag that I've got at the moment is that people are struggling to connect because they're relying on all of this other stuff to deal with their anxiety and their inner turmoil.
0: Mm. And you can't
1: connect with someone who's, who hasn't figured that out for themselves.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I probably am. I probably do the same. Like, I am so stressed twenty four seven that I will have a release on the weekend by just partying, and mm-hmm. then I spend three days afterwards feeling like shit, and then do it all again. So it's it's yeah. something. That- and it's not, it's it's nothing to be judged for. It's no. nothing to judge other people for. It's just a, you just recognize it as okay. That's
1: my coping mechanism, mm-hmm. right? But if you're talking about relationships and, and, you know, sort of red flags and things like that, like you were saying in your relationship that you were settling, you know, alcohol dependency, drug dependency, that's not a safe environment. Can you imagine trying to relax in an intimate situation and have cataclysmic sex and really let go and dig deep and just be completely who you are in front of that person? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel safe doing
0: that. Do you know? Um, I remember this thing my dad said to me because my ex would always like, he'd go to the pub like every afternoon after work mm-hmm. and he wouldn't come home. He'd knock off at like three because he was a tradie. He wouldn't get home till like six yeah. or seven, was blind, would spend all his money on the pokies. I'd be the one doing the groceries every night. He'd never have enough yeah. money. I'd always have to pay for, pay for everything. And I remember my dad so saying, we date the same guys. Me, literally. My dad goes, <laughs> Catherine, I want you to just think about it like this. Do you want to be with a guy that when you're 35 with toddlers is down at the pub, blowing all of your money that you're saving for school fees and your mortgage on, you know, alcohol and the pokies? He was like, because the reality is is if he's doing that now, he's probably going to be doing that in six years. And is that the kind of like life you want set up? And is that the kind of environment you want for your kids? And I remember being like, you were so true. Like, I mean, you're so right. Yeah. Like that.
1: yeah. It's good advice because it's not, you know, unless somebody, and don't get me wrong, everyone is capable of change. Everyone. I don't, care, I don't care who you're looking at. Everyone is capable of positive change. Everybody is just trying to do the best with what they have in, an, mm. in any given circumstances. That's what we are as humans, right? So having that respect and having that understanding of this isn't who the person is, it's how they're being. It's how they're being because something's not right in there. Something has to be dealt with. So it doesn't mean they're a bad person by any stretch of the imagination, but it's who they're being at this point in their
0: life. And unless they challenge that, changes don't happen. Mm, I it think it's change. everyone is capable of change, but I think that like some people don't want to change and they just wouldn't exactly. would want the energy or the effort or the hard work to make those yeah. changes. And I think that's, yeah. that's where you kind of have to draw the line sometimes.
1: 100%, um, 100% because it does take work. I'm not, I mean, what I, you know, timeline therapy and hypnotherapy and everything makes it a lot faster um, mm. but yeah, it does, it does take work and it does take vulnerability. And that's another thing that people are shit scared of these days is mm. actually being vulnerable and opening up because they feel they're going to be
0: judged. Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: yeah. So it, it becomes, you know, it changes, it becomes very difficult if you're not willing to face up to the behavior that you've been exhibiting, um, and you're not willing to put in the work to do it. So yeah. great advice cool. from dad.
0: Yeah. Love him. And, yeah. yeah or oh, they're always so wise, your parents. Um, yeah. And then I guess if someone has experienced toxic tendencies in their relationship, how would you recommend people to pick up the red flags and act upon them? And how would you suggest people remove themselves from, from this relationship if they're noticing it?
1: So if you're noticing, number one to notice it is actually start paying attention. So start paying attention to how you feel around that person, because your intuition will tell you, you know, and it's not some woo woo, you know, think of the stars kind of shit. It's, it's actually, and it's an inbuilt mechanism that tells us whether we're safe or we're not safe. So start listening to yourself, start taking time for yourself, back off a bit and say, right, how do I feel around this person? How does, how does their behavior make me feel? Does that feel right or does that feel wrong? And it'll tell you every time. So that's number one for noticing the red flags for actually paying attention. Number two is, you know, identifying, you know, how, how to get out and how to, how to stop it. Um, Notice, number one, reach out to people. As I said, you know, reach out to people and make sure that you've got some support, Um, whether it's financial. There are amazing organisations out there that are helping women especially get out from financial situations as well Um, if it's, you know, physical and financial abuse. Um, But don't do it alone. Start talking to people. Start arming yourself with knowledge as to what is out there to help you and start planning an exit, exit strategy, because, and I was guilty of this for many, many years. No one's coming to save you. No, you know your your life. You will live and die by your own decisions. No one will will gallop up on a white horse and rescue you from a situation. It is up to you to seek out. Alternatives. It is up to you to look at, you know, and for different people that can help you, you know, get out of that situation. You don't have to do it alone, but you do have to make the choice yourself, because you can lead a horse mm-hmm. to water, but you can't, you know, you can't make it drink. I, I, and I've I'm very lucky that I've not had a lot of clients who I've given them the tools to to change their life, and they haven't done it. Um, but you need 100% buy-in. And it's the same if you, if you need to get out of a relationship, you need 100% conviction that you want better for your life. If you're going to stick in and wallow in the victim mentality, you'll never get out.
0: Yeah. Do you know, another thing as well is like, as you said, like reach out to people. I feel like sometimes people almost, they live in this fear that if they tell their best friend or they tell their close mates that like, they're going to judge them or they're going to just judge their partner or tell them to get out but I think at the end of the day if if they're your true friends they're going to be there for you no matter what and support your decision no matter what they might not agree with your decision sometimes Mm. but I think like don't let yourself go through that toxicity in a relationship alone and reach out to your friends like you know my best friend Mm. It's so easy to not, no, no, just like my best friend's been incredible, like throughout all of my relationship dramas. And, you know, she like knows that I should have broken off with my ex months before, but it was there to support me through the whole time. And I never felt judged and, you know, so I think just remembering that as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, good, good friends are going to support you no matter what. And when I say, you know, pay attention to how you feel around people, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships either. I'm talking about your friendships. So I was, you know, one of, one of the groups of friends I had when I was growing up who were doing a lot of drugs and and all of that type of thing. Had I paid attention to my intuition more back then, I would have known that they weren't good for me. And I I probably would have never gone down the path that I did. I did because it was going to lead me here. And I'm so grateful for everything that I went through because I am here and I've had the experiences and I I can now help people. But listen to your intuition with any relationship you're in, you know, whether it's your career, whether it's your friends, whether it's even your family, you know, sometimes your family don't, don't have the best intentions for you. You know, if, if that's the lot that you've drawn in life, you know, mm. so just surround yourself with people who are genuinely supportive of you, you know, and genuinely accept you for who you are.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's so true. Fun. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, yeah. Even like toxicity and friendships is a huge thing. And it's sometimes hard to feel like you can actually make that cut from friends. And mm. I guess like, how would you recommend if someone's feeling like trapped in a friendship to kind of get out of it? Because I know that's sometimes even harder than a relationship. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, with mine, um, and as I say, as I have, have evolved through my life, and when I say evolved, I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone else. Everyone's just on different paths. We all go like, you know, different which ways. But as I've evolved into the person I am now versus the person I was then, with the experience I've got under my belt, my my friendship groups have changed very much. Um, and it's now a sense of you know, kind of severing those relationships doesn't have to be this big confrontation and this big I'm a better person, you're you're a shit person, blah blah blah. It can just be a case of genuinely connecting with that person and saying, look, you know, I just feel like we're on different paths at the moment and I genuinely respect you and, and the person that you want to be in your life. I just don't feel like we, we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And if they have any, because that's how, and and I wish when I was younger, I, I had the experience to have those types of conversations. When I was younger, I just left,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: I just, I just walked out. You know, and there's probably a lot of people out there that were hurt by that. And I'm, I'm sorry if, if, you know, I, I ever hurt anyone by doing that, you know, but it was one of those things that I, I wish I only knew what I knew at the time, you know, if I knew. And that's why this is my advice is to have a conversation with the pe- with these people, because that could also bring on healing in their own life you know, if you're, if you're vulnerable enough and and confident in yourself enough to say, look, I just don't think we're seeing eye to eye because of this, because of that, you know, I feel like I want to go this way. That could be the green light that they need to open up and say, I think I've got a problem. I need help.
0: Mm, You're right.
1: You know, so it, it come if it comes from a place of genuine, you know, genuine love for yourself and genuine, you know, self-esteem and just wanting to be a better person, not judging anyone, it opens the door for them to feel safe enough to tell you what's really going on in their life. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd known that when I was younger. You know, yeah. i try- trying to do that with as many people as I can now, but yeah, it's all yeah. learning.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. It's like, I, one of my friends actually got like broken up with by her best friend last year, yeah. and it was like the strangest thing ever because it's like you just don't expect to receive a message like that but yeah I've definitely yeah. if there's someone who's not serving me purpose I, I, like as a friend, I just kind of i've d- taken the road of just distancing myself, but yeah, I think yeah, having a conversation is definitely a good good way to go about it, but i've it's. I don't just know, interesting. I
1: yeah, fully. Yeah. <laughs> it can be awkward as us. <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things that if you come from a place of, look, I'm not judging you for any decisions you make in your life, but this is where I'm going, you know, do you want to come with me or, or, you know, should we go separate ways? It becomes very matter of fact, and it becomes mm-hmm. less about emotion and more about, you know, just, just life, you know, and if you talk to anyone who's, in any way successful, they'll agree that the people that you hang around, you, you are you are a combination of the five closest people in your life. So if you're hanging around people who don't serve you and who don't bring you up and and inspire you and aren't on the same path with you know relationships and work and and things like that, yeah, you just you're not aligned and it's it's not going to take you to anywhere good.
0: So true. Oh my god, I love I love these deep conversations about <laughs> <laughs> like normal topic that you just probably don't speak about enough. Yeah. Um, so I have another question. So I guess after experiencing a toxic relationship, what kinds of things would you recommend people to do in order to grieve from their relationship and avoid PTSD and car- you know, carrying that trauma into a new relationship? Cause I know it's very easy to, you know, take something that happened in the past and take it into a new relationship and blame someone who's never done anything wrong for something someone's done to you in the past? Like, how would you, yeah. I mean, I've already asked questions, so shoot. <laughs> I mean, apart
1: from coming to see me. No, I'm joking.
0: No, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, no. with, um, <laughs> apart from booking in with me. <laughs> no, it's oh I not you. Sorry, I lost you but you said you're Brisbane based, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I have clients from all over. Most of my work is done on zoom. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean like a lot of my listeners are Queensland based, um, a lot from Brisbane mm-hmm. and the Gold coast, quite a few from Melbourne and Sydney as well. But, um, yeah, yeah I mean, I'll put in all of your info for anyone that oh, would like to you. dive into, you know, anything that they've gone through that's been maybe traumatic or PTSD, or if they want to yeah. experience a little bit of hypnotherapy, I'm going to come see you t- quit (laughs) vaping
1: i love it no i mean look as far and as far as um you know recovering from from a bad relationship do the work internally look inside i can't stress it enough look in here because you've attracted that through something through something. And it's not from something that's just happened. Like, yes, it might be this relationship that's broken up and it's traumatic and whatever, but where it's actually come from is right back from when you were younger. It could even be, you know, like within the womb or generationally or anything like that. Something in you, there's a belief in you that you're operating under that is attracting that type of person to your life. And as I said, that can be a pretty intense concept for some people to grasp. Because I, I mean, I had to go right back. I had something happen to me when I was two years old. My parents had no idea about, you know. And I was harboring fear right from when I was two years old, and that was affecting the relationships that I was bringing in. Mm. Blew my mind when I let it go, and it's yeah. been completely different ever since. I can't, I cannot tell you how intense the difference is. Between holding on to that and letting it go.
0: And what about, like, what's your opinion on people who relationship hop? Because I do think that a lot of people. I've done it before too, myself included. Don't worry, mm-hmm. no ladies, but um, <laughs> I think we all have. You, yeah, fully. You relationship hop in a sense. Instead of like dealing with your own emotions and issues, you jump to a new relationship to like fill a void and not actually have to really deal with what you're going through. What's What's your opinion on that? And how would you suggest someone to like break that cycle?
1: Well, you've nailed it, it's filling a void. So mm-hmm. you're feeling a void by, you know, that honeymoon period of a relationship. You're jumping from one to the next, you know, and your addiction is somebody who just thinks that you're the bee's knees and will, you know, treat you that way. And then when that peters off and things get a little bit scary, then you go to the next one.
0: That's what this is what I literally did for like my whole 20s. and now yeah. <laughs> I, But like I did do some me time and now I've met my partner who is literally the greatest human to walk the entire planet. Like I've just never met someone so incredible. And it's like he, you know how like sometimes if you've been in a shitty relationship, you'll get in one and like they're really nice for like three to six months and then like you start seeing a few cracks come through and then all of a sudden they're not even like doing all the nice things they were doing at the start. That's like story of my life. But we're like we've been together for like 10 months now and he still treats me the same as he did on the first date.
1: Yeah. And I think that comes from, you know, authentically being who you are and attracting someone who's the same. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you like my my partner's the same, you know, I I had been in so many relationships where they treated me like a queen for the first month or the first couple of months. Um, and then it sort of peters off and you think, well, you know, what were you, but I was also doing the same when I reflected, I was doing more for them than I was comfortable with because I wanted to be with them. And I wanted them to, I, you know, wanted a partner no, or no, I wanted no, this no. or I wanted that, you know, so I was overcompensating. So when I started, started petering back, so did they. So it's all mm-hmm. a reflection of you. If you, and exactly like that. yeah, it's, it's all a reflection of you. So Again, it can be the hardest thing to look in the mirror and go, right, how am I causing this in my life? But it is the most freeing, the most liberating thing in the world because then you realize that you can change it and you can make your life whatever the hell you want. And I I say that with sincerity that's no sales pitch, no bullshit, no nothing. You can change any single behavior if you work out where it's coming from, and finish it. Yeah. Change the pattern. It's not hard. It takes work, but it's not difficult to do. I'm going to do it. Yeah.
0: I I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, like, so nice diving into all these topics and chatting with you, and I just think they're all such oh, important okay. things for, you know, everyone to kind of take in. So thank you so much.
1: You're so welcome. Did you have
0: anything else you kind of wanted to touch on at all today or anything you wanted to dive into?
1: Look, I think we, I think we covered everything. The biggest thing is, is, you know, that I wanted to get out there was just be hopeful, be hopeful for your life. There is no reason. Unfortunately, society with all its rules and regulations has narrowed our thinking, um, you know, that this is what life is. You know, a lot of people believe that working a nine-to-five is, is what it is, you know, or their parents were laborers, so they, they have to be too. And that's not to say that that's a bad thing at all. You know, people can aspire to be that. I think that's amazing. But the thinking is narrowed by the conditions that society puts on us. Having children, you know, your mum had had you at 40. Like there, there's no reason that you should have to fit into these little boxes.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know? So, run run the- yeah, exactly. Run your own race, stay in your own lane and live the life that you want to live. Fuck what anyone else thinks. And if I, I'm ending on mm-hmm. fuck what anyone else thinks, <laughs> that's no typical of me. Everybody will listen to oh. this and go, yeah, that, that's right. Well, <laughs> but it's true, it's like, oh, it's true. In, yeah, yeah it's true and I, I yeah. didn't I couldn't do that for myself for a long time I cared too mm. much what everybody thought and until mm. I did this work myself and came out the other end that was ruining my life and now couldn't be happier
0: oh that's so good yeah it's amazing Oh, thank you so much. And I'll definitely keep in touch and can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. Cause I think it's definitely going to be. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited too. And guys, I'll put all of Courtney's info in the show notes. So if you want to get in touch with her or book in a session, download her ebook, any of those things, um, I'll link them all in there for you. So it's easy for you to access and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much and we will see you next week. Bye. Cats Out of the Bag is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. Special shout out to Rode Microphones for powering this episode.